Welcome back to SUP FM, and this week we have Adam Champagne from StandUpJournal.com. It's probably the, it actually is the biggest website related to Stand Up Pedal, and uh, it's exciting to hear what goes on behind the scenes. So listen up, here he comes. Aloha, and welcome to SUP FM, the podcast for Stand Up Paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Hi, Adam Champagne. Really great to have you on SUP FM. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's uh, nice to chat to the um, the biggest website in the stand-up pedal industry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good to be here. <laughs> um, we are just chatting briefly before about your role at Stand Up Journal. What, uh, what exactly do you do there? I pretty much, I do all of the design for the print publication, and then I handle all of the online stuff as far as Getting content, designing the website, um, all the e-commerce, um, all of the layout, pretty much everything. Um, it's a it's a big task. keeps me definitely keeps me busy. Yeah, I'm sure it sounds like an immense task. So, but um, can you take us to the very beginning of Stand Up Journal? What's the story of its inception? Was it conceived in a smoky bar filled with the strains of country music or something like that? It probably was, but I wasn't there to witness it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, <laughs> It actually started a lot longer before Stand Up Journal. It kind of evolved from a previous magazine, Wind Tracks, that Clay Feeder had been running back when windsurfing was huge. And then he took some time off. Um, and then one day he was doing some job that he just was not happy with. And he was like, you know, I just want to get back into publishing. And Stand Up Paddling was kind of a new thing being whispered around the industry. And he uh, took a trip down to Surf Expo. Talked to some people down there. Everybody pretty much told him he was crazy. And he just said, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. So he followed his gut and uh, started the magazine. It actually originally started as a surfing, windsurfing, and stand-up paddling magazine, the first issue. And then um, Steve Sugarood, who was the co-founder, called him and was just like, we just got to narrow this down to one thing, stand-up paddling is it. And it just kind of took off from there. Well, can you remember when that was, more or less? Uh, that was in 2007 when it first, like the idea started. We were found in 2007 and 2008 in the spring is when our first issue came out. Okay, so just to put that into perspective for our listeners, it's basically stand-up paddling started with in 2004 with Led Hamilton and Dave Kalama in Hawaii, right? Correct. So it was just a few short years afterwards that you guys got into it. It must have been quite a big gamble for Clay to do that. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, he was, you know, just, started a new relationship with Joyce Billadu, the co-publisher. And, you know, he, uh, he took a big camel and just told her, this is what I want to do. And she said, I'll give you a year. And, uh, it took off. So every issue was just getting bigger and bigger and more circulation. And so it's doing great. Cause it's now the most trafficked SUP website, according to Alexa. Is that, is that right? Um, I can't say for sure. Cause there's a lot of sites out there, but I know that our Alexa ranking is higher than any of the competitors that I have checked out. Um, I just have spent so much time concentrating and focusing on getting our content so that people will engage with it and driving traffic every day. It's basically my biggest focus is the website. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I put a lot of pride into that. We do get a ton of traffic on the site. Yeah, so how do you, how do you build a site like that? I mean, how do you get there? How do you get here from there? Because just starting a magazine, it must be very difficult to build such a great website like you have. And what's your focus? 
Um, I mean, we when I took over, I didn't start with the magazine in 2008. I came on in 2010. And when I came on, that was my first priority. I was like, we need to be digitally focused. Um, you know, it can't just be a print magazine because, you know, everything's going online these days. Um, so we had like a very small static website and I knew that we needed type a blog or news type platform. And my biggest goal was just to help spread the word, you know, and get more people involved in it and just, you know, collect as much news and great content as possible. So I just converted the website to a news style website and I had one version a couple years ago. Um, that was great to start with. And then that was kind of like not functioning the way that I needed to. So I redid the website again a couple years ago. Um, now it's functioning pretty decent, but I'm actually currently overhauling the site again. I just want to make it as dynamic and useful for people as possible and just have as much information, um, as far as, you know, gear, tips, videos, anything that people really are into and have a question about in the sport. I want to be able to come to our site and find it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it certainly serves that. Thank you. Um, can, yeah, it, it, it was. And when I was starting to paddle about um, eighteen months ago, I really found it very helpful because I was going through a lot of the how tos and, and and you know all the articles, and it really, I think it, it helps a lot of people, which is great. Well, good. I'm going to keep pushing it in the future and try and break it down into more sections. And it's just hard because, like I mentioned, I have a lot of roles with the magazine. If I was dedicated just to the website, I could have it even further, but it, it'll get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, excuse me. So can you introduce us to the other players behind the scenes at Stand Up Journal? Sure. So Clay Feeder is the publisher. Um, he basically has been surfing since the 60s. He grew up in California in the Santa Cruz area. Um, Joyce Villadu is the co-publisher. And I am. she kind of handles like all of the finance business, um, keeps us in line basically, because um, we can get a little crazy sometimes. And then I handle all of the social media marketing, you know, all the website stuff and design. And then we also have uh, co-publisher Glenn Dubach out in California as well. And then basically how it works is we just kind of, we work digitally, remotely. So they're in Maine, Glenn Dubach's in California. I'm in New Jersey. Uh, we just do everything online and we collect stories from people all over the world. And um, yeah, we just kind of communicate how we're going to do it. And it's kind of cool. We don't have to have an office per se. It's wherever we want to work. Oh, it's great having a virtual office. I've worked in that environment myself as well. Oh, that's I think awesome. obviously, yeah, a lot of people are doing it as well. So did you guys have any tools that you used to um, to work on with each other? You just use Skype and, and email. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of just emailing, um, texting. I really, you know, I'm, I'm working on getting us more of like a back end that we can actually all communicate on just because it does. It gets a little bit challenging. And, you know, there is some miscommunication sometimes. And it's a challenge because we get a lot of stuff thrown at us all over the world. But, yeah, it's basically just through email and text and phone at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Simon and I work a lot together online as well. We use a thing called Slack, which is a brilliant project management tool. Just thought I'd give them a shout out. Thank you. I'm <laughs> so taking a want... note because I'm taking any suggestions I can to streamline this. So <laughs> uh, It's really cool. It works over all apps and, you know, mobile, everything. So oh, great. great. Thank you. Cool. Okay, so um, who uh, with Stand Up Journal, have you had some big supporters over the years? Yeah, I mean, our biggest supporters, I mean, obviously have been our advertisers, our subscribers, our shops. Um, you know, everybody, that's what keeps us going. And that's, you know, we work very closely with everybody in the industry and we try and support and give back as much as possible as well. Um, yeah, and it's just, you know, our fans and everybody, it's just, it's a whole big community. That's what I like. It's no just one big person. It's it's more of a, a, a community effort, which is really cool. 
Do you guys ever get together with the community and, and do functions as well? We don't. You know, we're more because we are such a small, tight knit group. We have a harder time um, doing functions and things like that. We'll show up when we can. We do Surf Expo two times a year. Each time we go, uh, we give out 400 free copies of the magazine. Um, and, you know, we just shake hands and try and, you know, talk to as many people as possible. But it's hard for us to host an event per se just because it's, you know, we're we're kind of all over the place and we're a smaller smaller group of people. So, Sure, yeah, it must be tough when you're geographically all over the yeah, place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But since 2007, I mean, you must have had some um, major milestones happening in the life of the site. Can you let us know what it is? Oh, the site and the magazine, obviously. Can you let us know three of those? Yeah, I mean, um, three off the top of my head. I mean, one of the biggest ones was launching digitally. I think that was huge for us. We have an online magazine. We previously had apps. Um, the apps were a bit too buggy, so we ended up going with an online version that you can use in any anything that has a browser. You can go on and view our magazine now, and you can download it wherever you are allowed to download PDFs, like in your iPad or on your computer for offline reading. That was a huge milestone for us, I think, just because it took us off strictly print and brought us onto the online world as far as you know, a digital magazine goes. Um, it certainly doesn't replace the print magazine by any means. I'm not sure if you've held the standout journal before, but you can tell when you pick it up. It's just it's quality. It's mm -hmm. more like a book at this point. We're averaging you know, 176 pages, and that was another milestone for us um, was when we first started – we were only able to produce magazines that were about, you know, 98 pages or so. And now we're averaging 176. That was, you know, wow. that's huge. We put up so much more content now. Um, it's just that because, is huge. But yeah, I know what you mean by uh, like an online um, a PDF is just not as amazing as a real, real magazine, isn't it? I mean, maybe I'm feeling a bit old school, but I just love holding a magazine myself. No, there's something about the physicality of it, and I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I come from a generation, too, where everybody's using everything digital and everybody's with Kindles and stuff. And that's cool, and I appreciate that. But for me to read a book or do anything, I have to hold it. I don't know what it is about it. But I appreciate that people do love the digital space as well with that type of thing. That's why I cater to them as well, you know. So, But I'm with you. I'm like, I need to hold something and flip through it and just something about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind reading books on a Kindle because it's just text. But when you've got graphics as well and you've got to zoom in on articles, it's a bit different. But yeah, do you definitely. think that um, Stand Up Journal will ever go totally digital? Um, I don't think so. Clay is a big advocate. I mean, he's an old school you know, publisher and he's a big advocate of it always needs to be in print. Um, you know, I can't predict the future. And, you know, there are struggles with cost of printing and shipping has gone out of control. Anybody that has a business with shipping in the past like two years knows what I'm talking about. They have just astronomically raised prices ever since the gas prices went up and everything else. And it's just, especially international pr uh, shipping, it's a big challenge. So um, like, I can't predict the future, but Clay always wants to have a print magazine. And I agree. I mean, that's our foundation. Yeah, I agree with that as well, <laughs> for what it's worth. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, but, you know, how do you think, because uh, obviously Stand Up Journal has is, is, is majorly contributed to the promotion of the Stand Up Paddling. Um, how do you think that has helped? I just think it's helped at an early stage where a lot of people were just not really feeling it. And anybody who's ever, you know, um, spoken to Clay, you know, he's a very – outgoing he's a big personality and i think that he had a lot to do with getting the sport really seen a lot faster because he was out making the phone calls pushing it you know as hard as he could 
um, getting the magazine into as many people's hands. So I think we had a big, big part of it. And I think our role online now too is making it even huger. We're just, I'm trying, we're, we're trying as a team to make as much interesting, great content as possible and legitimize it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you come across many people like we come across a lot of people all the time on the podcast who just are so excited about stand up paddle that they just have to share it. It's kind of like a biblical thing in a way. It is. And, you know, it's funny because when people first get into it, it it's almost like a like a watershed moment or something when they first step on a board and just love it. I have a friend who I introduced to stand up paddling last summer and she is just I mean, unfortunately for her, she's a, you know, a GM of a restaurant, so she works all the time. Um, but she was just so insanely happy about it. She called me every day. When can we go? When can we go? When can we go? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got a school down here in the Algarve in Portugal and I'm teaching people every day and just to see the smiles on their faces and like, oh, I've got to buy a board. I just loved it so much. And It's like instant, it's, uh, right? It's not something you have to yeah. convince anything of. It's instant. They get off their first session and they love it. Oh, it's amazing. It's really rewarding. Yeah. Do you have any fascinating stats on the sport? Um, I mean, I don't really have anything. Well, I mean, fascinating to me, I guess, because I look at them every day. Um, yeah. I can tell. I can tell you, like, pretty much from my stats on like social media and the site where you know the biggest views I get and stuff are. But um, you know, besides obviously U.S. because we're U.S. based, Brazil is number two, France is number three, and then it goes Australia, Mexico, Spain. Canada, Portugal, United Kingdom, and Puerto Rico. Those are like the top 10 um, people that are looking at our, our social media and our website. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, that really ties in with um, – so we were on subtrotters.com. We, inv um, we interviewed him a while, a while ago, and he was also saying Brazil is the number one thing. Yeah, Brazil is. You know, I get – you know, it's tough because – I thank God for like Google Translate and things like that, but – I get messages all the time on Facebook or email completely in, in Portuguese and I'm just like, I have no idea what you're saying. And I try like <laughs> to use the Google Translate, but it doesn't always work right. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> can yeah. you speak English? Because I don't know if this is translating properly. But is Portugal more popular than the UK? Um, well, Brazil is. Portugal. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Actually, it is. Not by much. Portugal and UK are pretty much tied. That's odd. I thought the UK would be bigger. I suppose they, they sort of stick to their own websites, maybe. I don't well, know. Yeah, it could we, be. We, we don't get the weather. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> just, had to, just had to speak up for my country, that's all. Yep, but I just find that it's amazing that I thought, you know, the UK would be much bigger than Portugal. It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Stats are amazing. Um, and so, seeing, seeing as I've uh, I've sort of uh, stuck my oar in here, Adam, I'm really interested in um, your content and your contributors, particularly. Um, how, how do you get um, how do you get your contributors? Do people just write you articles, or have you got a network? Yeah. So um, print and online work a little bit differently, but um, you know, we obviously have. We're really big, you know, we're a photo heavy magazine. Um, so we have a lot of connections with photographers out there and when they'll take, send us great photos, we're like, great, what's the story? And a lot of times they'll have one, other times they'll have to ask a writer that was with them or um, whatever. It, it kind of works that way where it's like, um, you know, people who are on the trip or we'll just happen to get a great set of photos, we'll be like, great, what's the story? And so it doesn't, it's not per se like a set group of networks 
although we do have you know a bunch of people we work with regularly but we'll also get people who just write in a contact form or like hey here's 10 sick photos and this is what happened and then we'll develop a story from that um as far as online goes i really am trying to find more people to contribute um, online because it's a hard job for me to curate content all the time. So I'm working with a few people now, Jodell Fitzwater being one of them. She, um, teaches, uh, like sub fitness classes and things like that. And she sends me like regular fitness tips and different, different things like that. So, um, it's just basically when people reach out to us, if they have great content and there's a story, then, you know, we'll, we'll pursue it. Excellent. And um, in terms of the content, I mean, Nick obviously talked about fascinating facts earlier on, but is there a particular sort of area of content which is most attractive to to your consumers? Yeah. So um, for our print publication, it's all we're all um, like adventure based. So we don't run gear guides and anything like that. It's all stories about just cool things that happen, like a cool trip that you took or some great event that happened. It's like 10 of us guys went out on this epic weekend trip and these are the photos and this is what happened. So it's that type of a thing. It's like a adventure lifestyle. Excellent. All that inspirational stuff. You definitely. And for the site, it's different. I'm looking for more people on the site want more stuff with tips, gears, crazy videos, you know, things like that. So what performs better? Crazy videos, they, they must spike the traffic, I guess. Videos, yeah. I mean, I basically just take a cue off of stuff I see around. I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly reading and I'm constantly trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And videos are obviously, people love videos. Everything's becoming super visual these days online. And if you have a great video, that's what helps to drive traffic, definitely. Yeah. I think I sent through a video of a, of a cave in um, in Portugal, and it, it did really well. I think it seemed to do really well. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. So, how do you see um, interest in SUP growing? Do you think that it's going to level out, um, or do you think it's going to keep on increasing at this rapid pace? I mean, it's like anything else. Um, you know, there's peaks, valleys, and and whatever. I just think that for now. Because anybody can do it anywhere, it is just going to continue to grow. Um, you know, there's this lake by me called Round Valley. It's a reservoir. And, you know, a few years ago, you wouldn't see anybody out there stand up paddling. And now I took my son out there the other day, and there's a company out there with a giant, you know, trailer with just boards loaded in it and a tent, people just rolling up, renting paddle boards and going out. And it was, you know, pretty much half and half paddle boards to kayaks out there. And I don't doubt that in, another year or two, it's going to, you know, just be mostly paddle boards. I mean, as soon as I pull out my board, I inflate it and I roll out, everybody's like staring at me. What's that? What's that? And everybody asking questions and where can I get one? And it's just going to keep growing. I mean, it's a great time to be in it. It is. Yeah. It's really exciting. And I just looked at some stats on surfers the other day and they reckon there's about 20 million surfers in the world. I don't know if that's right or wrong or what, but if you look at stand-up paddling, it, it can only get bigger because surfing is so um, limited to, to decent waves. And obviously, stand-up paddling, you can do it in lakes and rivers and wherever. Yeah, exactly. There's no limit. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, Midwest, I mean, anywhere in the world. It's, you know, wherever you have water, like you said, water, lake, rivers, mm -hmm. whatever, you can do it. And it's so exciting to see these fascinating stories. There was a guy I was watching on Vimeo last night who was paddling in the Midwest somewhere, paddling down a lake, 300 or a river, 340 kilometers on a, on a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah. And it's just one, wonderful to see these personal stories coming out. Like, I don't know if you've heard about Charlie Howden. 
um, who paddled with stage four pancreatic cancer. He's just paddled, paddled down Costa Rica. Yep. Yeah, um, I was following that. It's crazy. You know, also another another cool story that's happening next year. Chris Burdish is trying to do a transatlantic subcrossing completely unsupported. He's going to bring all his food, all his water, and just roll out. <laughs> That's going to be I saw that on your site. Eye. Did you say that? Yeah. yeah, I saw that on your site today. Actually, I emailed him this morning, and uh, he's. You know, we'll be interviewing him as well. But oh, great! That sounds crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, awesome. more power to him. I hope he finishes it, and I hope he does it. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be as as hard mentally as physically. You know, no doubt about it. Yeah, imagine being alone. I think it'll take him about four months or something. Yeah, yeah, and being alone that long, like you said, that's like you know people who do um, Appalachian Trail or something like that. Most people quit just because you're alone for so long. It's like, you know, it's it's a mental game. That's all it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, what do you see the sport developing over the next few years um, in terms of technology or anything crazy? Do you think do you think we'll get more inflatable boards or just carry on with that? Yeah. Um, there are literally every time it's, that's the one thing that I like about going to surf expo is because I get to see all the new inventions and stuff and the things that come and go and people are constantly trying to innovate. And I think that's really cool. Um, although I personally love the simplicity of just having a board and a paddle. Um, but I do see inflatables becoming a huge part of the market just because so many people live in apartments and it's so much more accessible to just inflate a board. And really, I used to be not a fan of inflatables just because I always, you know, use regular boards. And then I tried an inflatable and I'm like, you know what, for, if I'm just going to go out on the lake, this is the easiest, coolest thing I can do. It's super stable. You can blow it up in three or four minutes and just be out on the water. You don't have to put anything on the roof or, you know, cause my Jeep, I have a soft top and I didn't want to put like a huge rack system on it. So it's perfect. I don't have to take the top down. If it gets rainy, I can just throw the inflatable in the back. So there are a lot of advantages to it for just the average person. Obviously, it's not going to replace if you're riding waves or, you know, if you're hardcore racing with other people that have race boards, you know. Um, but for the majority of people out there, I think there's going to be a lot more um, inflatables on the market. Absolutely. And it's great gym work to, to blow it up. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody is saying, like, it's so hard to blow up a, a paddleboard. I take – I have a um, – I have like a pump for my air mattress and I just hook it up to that for like the initial blow up till it gets up to one PSI. Then that takes like a two minutes and then I use my pump for another minute and a half and I'm out in the water. Yeah, I just saw it, uh, a pump the other day. It just inflates to 15 PSI. Really? And, uh, yeah, so it's you know easy. You just connect it to your, your car and then boom, it goes. Yep. But uh, I actually like pumping them up to be honest because I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm there for the fitness. So um, Yeah, it's like a warm up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a great warm up, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Um, have you heard about that SEPA board where it self-inflates and it's got a little motor in it? Yeah, you know, I, uh, that's another thing I was saying. Yeah, because like I keep seeing all these inventions come out. I posted a video of that on the site and, and people, you know, are very opinionated about it. Um, I, I've never tried one before. It looked kind of cool, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a market out there for it. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think um, I don't want. To, I don't really want stand-up pedal to turn into a motorized sport because I yeah. think it's a sport. You know, that won't be a sport. But I think in a situation like that, it's quite cool to have a device like that because it's got lights on it and it's all funky. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah you know, I actually but, like. Um, I like the lights that they're installing. The like Nakua has them, and a couple other people have them for night paddling. It's really cool. Mm. Uh, that's a, that's a neat part of the sport. 
But as far as the having a little engine in, I think it's quite good for people in emergency situations because a lot of people are not totally aware of the ocean and they get out and suddenly an offshore wind pops up and, you know, they're in trouble. So yeah. you know, that's could a good help. Point. It is a good point. You know, I've been in situations with my son before where he's not the strongest paddler and a wind will start pushing us and I'm like, we have to jump off the boards and <laughs> figure out what we're doing here, like reassess the situation. We've never done that way out on the ocean, thank God. But that is a good point because – you do become like a sail when a heavy wind picks up and it's hard for a weaker paddler to get back in sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. And especially for kids because they can paddle like a pro and then suddenly, boom, they're finished and that's it. They can't do anything else. Yep. Exactly. That's crazy. Okay. Um, Simon, would you have any more questions? Are you still there, Simon? I think Simon Sorry, fell no, asleep. No, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> no, that's all right. I had mute on as well, which didn't help. Um, uh, I, th- I was just enjoying the ride there. I was, I was there, uh, I was there on the water. I, I went out this morning, so, um, and I, I, I don't get out very often. I'm not sure um, whether you do, Adam. Work seems to to take over, but, uh, but yeah, I had it does. had. Uh, yeah, I, I had plenty of uh, sunshine and exercise this morning, so I was just enjoying the ride. Um, okay. What, what's your um, What's your view and uh, on the uh, the Olympics? Because um, we've got uh, the prospect of SUP appearing in the Olympics in a few years' time. Do you think that's really going to be the uh, the shot window for for SUP and really put it on the map? Um, you know, I think SUP's already on the map, but I think. Uh... Being in the Olympics and, you know, legitimizing it as that type of a, you know, the racing aspect of it and that part of the sport, I think is awesome. I think it deserves to be there. I mean, these athletes, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to endurance paddle like really hard, but, you know, I work out every day, I do cardio and that is hard, you know, keeping up that kind of a pace. And these guys are doing huge races now. Um, So, yeah, they deserve to be in the Olympics. And I think that's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, that race down in Carolinas, I, I think there was 17 miles or something. I'm not yeah. sure if that's correct. It's insane. But I just, yeah, being, being able to keep that up, it's un- incredible, unbelievable. And, People but, say to me all the time, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So, sorry, I was going to say as well, the ISAs in Mexico, Danny Ching's performance in um, in the race that he won was just absolutely awesome. I mean, you know, he's he's an athlete up there with, with the best in the world. I don't know whether you saw that Definitely. race, Adam. Yep, I didn't. I didn't watch it while I was there, but I I saw all the photos and yeah, I was following it. Um, yeah, it's it's just crazy. These guys are these are top athletes in the world, and they definitely deserve to be recognized. Do you guys focus a lot on that on, in the stand up journal, or is it more of a sort of leisure based focus? Well, we actually um, we just put to press our BOP feature, so that will be coming out. Um, you know where we cover the entire because you know the BOP has. Um, shut down for time being they don't know if they're going to come back i mean um so yeah we definitely focus on that aspect of it too we've always covered racing as part of it as well mm-hmm. okay and how do you how well do you get along with sup racer um i don't necessarily have a relationship with them um i would love to i've read some of their stuff and i you know i was actually while the the isa thing was going around i saw some of their posts on instagram they seem like really cool guys they're out of australia i believe correct yeah, I think the main guy is there is Chris, uh, Chris somebody, and he's Australian, but he seems to be in the States a lot, all, all over the place. Yeah. yeah, I like that he's really, you know, niched down what he's doing into just one category. And that was one thing I was going to mention before is that, 
Um, what I see online is that this is breaking down into so many sub markets like fishing, yoga, racing, everything, you know, so there's a lot more opportunity for people to just have one little aspect of the sport, you know, that's a really good point. I mean, if you look at, um, web design, for example, when we started in web design in the year 2000, it was just, you became a web builder and that's it. And now there's like a degree for every single facet of the, of the industry. There really is. Obviously. Yeah, there is. Um, and so I think it's a very important point. Like you said, it's niching down like to fishing and adventure and endurance and racing, yep. and downwinding, or whatever. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, we hope to read about all of that in future editions of Stand Up Journal. And thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it, Adam. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to SUP FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you on the water.